Hoody ho! Hey guys, we are back with episode 47. Uh, this is with my friend Joe. He's a good guy. Um, we went to school together, middle school, high school. And we, uh, we weren't the closest friends or anything. We never were enemies. It's just, you know, I don't know, people just gravitate to whoever they gravitate to when they're younger. Um, but yeah, he's a good guy. I'm very okay. Just punched my table accidentally. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, you know, we're, it seems like we're becoming closer as we get older and just, you know, he's on the same field as I am as far as podcasting and he's accomplished a lot and very proud of him. So, uh, yeah, please support him and, uh, his description of his podcast will be in, well, the description. So yeah, we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks guys for the support. All right, guys. So we're back with another one. Um, so this guy I knew way back when, actually from my middle school days and high school days. Um, we were never like close friends, but we were always cool and we kind of, you know, knew of each other. Um, you know, and over the years we kind of lost touch. And then uh, recently, I mean, we kind of been friends on Facebook, but never really uh, talked much until recently. And uh, a friend of ours, well, the woman I've always mentioned, Miss Robbins, she's a mutual friend and she's always said I should interview him. Uh, so this is, uh, my friend Joe, I guess you can. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on, buddy? Um, good to see you. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk more after all this. Um, so like I said, I don't know a whole lot about your story. Um, I know you have an eye condition. So what, what condition do you have? Yeah. So, um, what I have, um, pretty rare it happens in about one to close to 100,000 people um every everyone knows the term glaucoma um but um i was born with a rare form of glaucoma called Rieger's anomaly and uh it's basically um it uh, it it expands the eye it expands the pupil um it can affect the optical nerve um, in so many ways, um, and it's um, it's a fifty-fifty chance in getting it uh, through the genes, and it just so happened that you know my dad has it, his mom, my grandmom had it, and then it came to me, and um, you know right now my my youngest son, um, you know has has this rare form of, of glaucoma. It, it used to be called, or it probably still is called, uh, Rieger syndrome. Um, but they try to get away from the syndrome part from what I was reading. Um, but, um, but it's glaucoma in a nutshell, but the, it can affect other parts of the body. Like, uh, uh, it can affect the development of the, of the, of the belly button. It can affect a person's teeth. Now, thankfully on my end, it didn't affect that. I got a normal belly button like everybody Mm -hmm. else. My son does. Our teeth were fine, we, no cavities, we're all good. Um, but it does affect our vision. Now, me personally, um, I'm blind on my left eye, right. so I don't, I don't have any vision, and I've been like that my whole life. Um, I was, I was born um, in the island of Puerto Rico um, in '88, so technology then is not what it is now. You know, even though my son was born with it. Um, I'm more um, advanced in my knowledge of it, so I was able to 
treated quick. And I'll get into a little bit about my son, but on my end, um, I was, my, the pressure in my eye skyrocketed to the point that I lost my vision on my left eye. So I was actually given a cornea transplant in Puerto Rico. Um, and I joke and say, you know, I had vision for like a week or two because my, my body then rejected the transplant. And uh, I've been blind on my left eye ever since. Um, now, thankfully, on my right eye, it's larger than normal, but I, I'm a risk for glaucoma, but I don't have it. I have it on my left eye. And, uh, you know, I get checked, you know, more times than I would like a couple times a year, but it's well worth getting it monitored. Yeah. Uh, with, my, with my son, um, you know, one of the scariest things was being there in the delivering room. And one of the things when you're in the delivering room, um, the father gets the opportunity to take the baby to the table and then, but you know, before you touch the baby, they have to like check all vitals are fine. And one of the things they do is they take this bright light and just flash it on their eyes. And normally what a baby should do is wink and cry. And my son didn't react. So they did it again. And my son didn't react and they did it again. And you looked at his, his eyes and there was just this huge cloud right over the, the pupil. And he, he didn't see. He wasn't able to see or react to the light. Uh, My son was born at 8 o'clock around that time at night on April 13th, that Friday night. Within a couple hours later, I would say two to three hours later, they're already giving him some of the most potent eye drops that they can give like a, a human being. Like the same names, and you know, I won't mention the names, but of these eye drops, but the same ones that my dad takes with his glaucoma. I'm like, man, you're giving this this kid's not even a day old, and you're giving him the same eye drops that you're giving like my dad, who's 64, 65 years old. Like that's crazy. I, that made me so emotional. Right. Are, uh, are they steroids? The drops. I couldn't. I can't remember if there's steroids. I'm not sure, but I, I know that they're for glaucoma. I only ask because a lot of a lot of people who get glaucoma, um, a lot of times it's from uh, eye drops because a lot of these steroid drops raise your pressure so high, um, yeah. and it's causing them. Like a lot of you know, with us, like well, you know, there's so many different eye conditions, but with, like with mine and a bunch of others, like a lot of times the steroids are what help the you know inflammatoryness and, and all the shit that goes on with our eyes. Um, the steroids are actually to help like mine. It helps with my blood vessels. And so I have to take a small steroid every day, just one drop, but I was on much higher ones. And, and we, you know, I can't with my scar tissue, it's hard to determine what my pressure is. So we just have to be careful every time. But, um, glaucoma is one of the things that's caused from that or from steroid drops. That's why I was asking. It's, It's tough to measure that pressure too. I mean, I lost my, my son's on, he's about to be three next month. And I've already lost count the amount of times he's been on the table under anesthesia so he, they can get a good pressure reading. Wow. Just to get a good pressure reading. Not like not like actual procedures, but to get a good pressure reading, he has to go through this whole procedure of being put under anesthesia. And it's like, it's crazy. Um, well, what a lot of people know, don't know is like the, the regular way to doing, to, uh, to checking your pressure is just like a little thing they put in your eye and it kind of just, 
that I kind of put it on your eyeball and it just checks the pressure that way. That's the normal way of doing it. But right. That's, you can go to lens crafters for that. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, but you know, for people like us and I'm, one of the things that I'm, and, and it's tough. I have to, th- when you have a disability and, and I, and I always hated that word for myself. Like, no, I don't have it. Like I've had this pride in me. Like, no, I, I'm, I'm normal, you know? Um, but uh, but one of the things when you live in Philly, I mean, I'm so grateful. There's a lot of stuff that's wrong with Philly in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I got a long list of things that I'm not a fan of in Philly. Right. Same but the here. one thing that I'm proud of, of of my city is we got a really good healthcare system in the city. Yeah. And to know that I could wake up and in 10 minutes I can I end up at Will's Eye Hospital, like that's pretty cool. And that's been like a blanket for, for my son, that's where I go, you know? And, yeah. uh, that's been, that's been like helpful in a lot of ways. Like it brings a, a little bit of comfort living here when I, tr- when it gets treated, you know, I don't know if I trust the eye doctors <laughs> any and many other places, you know? Yeah. No, they're known for that. I mean, they saved my yeah. life and, and the vision that I have. So I, I'm sure. always grateful to Philly. And one other thing I do love about Philly and some people hate it or may hate it. It's a very tough city to live in. Um, you know, physically, mental, a lot of things. People are just very rough there. Um, right. And having a disability, you know, like walking around, you know, my sister's half Puerto Rican. So I grew up in a Spanish culture as well being around, you know, a lot of my half cousins, they're all, you know, Puerto Rican. Mm. So I grew up in a different culture. And so I was around all that. And, you know, I walked through a lot of bad neighborhoods and my name was white boy. I didn't know anything else. Um, and so, and then, of course you got the eye stuff and you get certain things. And I was just a naive little white kid walking around and, but it, it hardened me to a lot of things. And as I grew up in the city, it was like, being able to accept my disability was a lot easier because I was so used to being picked on and people saying this and saying that. It's like, Oh, that's nothing now. Like I'm an adult, like, right. um, and then going and now living outside the city, it's like people don't even really realize, like, it's like, it's something you can let it break you, but in general, like it can make you a stronger person. It does. I mean, I grew up in North Philly. Um, and there have been times I remember growing up as a kid, like the amount of of fights that I, I had to get into because somebody would say something about my eye um, or something like that, you know, and I would just get into it. I would get real defensive about it. You know, I, it's funny. Um, you and I went to middle school um, in West Philly, and uh, it was like, you know, it was over, OEC, right? I, I hope I say it right. Yeah, it was OEC. a school that was like, there were two tracks. It was like a track for the kids who were visually impaired and then the track for like the quote unquote the sighted kids, mainstream yeah. normal, right? Yeah, the VI and, and non VI, that's what they called it. Yeah, VI and non VI. I started in the VI and then moved into the non VI. Yeah, me too. And um <clears throat> what was interesting though is um, you know, my eye, my left eye, when you look at it, it's white. It doesn't have a normal pupil. Um, it's small. Um, it doesn't move. I can't see not even a, the hint of light on it. And when you look at it, you go, you know, I get it all the time. Like, what's wrong with your eye? What happened to your eye? And, uh, you know, for a long time growing up, like I always had the prosthetic eye to cover it to make it look the same. And 
I remember one time, and you know this girl, if I was to mention her name, so I, I don't know if she'll listen or not, so I won't mention her name. There was this girl in middle school that I, I was like, like I was really feeling. And um, she was great. I mean, I, I was just talking to her, and I, here I am. I didn't think I had a shot. Now that I look back, like I had no shot, but we were talking, and I remember um, she started laughing at me. I said, well, what did I say wrong? Like, I'm, we were just talking. And what I didn't realize is that the prosthetic eye was sliding down. Uh-huh. And I, <laughs> like, I was looking so cockeyed and like my left eye was like looking down and my right eye was looking straight at her. Uh-huh. Like it was, and, and the crazy thing is she has a visual impairment too. And, um, but I was really feeling her and, but people started laughing at me and the mainstream kids started laughing at me. And I told my mom, I said, I'll never wear this again. And I was in eighth grade. And I'm ready to go to high school, like, you know, the epicenter of, like, bullying. Right, right, right. And um, I said, no, nah, I'm never going to wear this again. And if they don't like me, it is what it is. Like, we're just going to have to go at it. And that's just how I felt. And I never wore that prosthetic again, despite my family trying to tell me to wear it. And, you know, uh, I, look, um, I look better that way and people will accept me more that way. And this, that, and the third. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And here we go. We both go into FLC and in, in Philly. And um, I am in the back. I always had in the back of my mind, I'm like, somebody's going to say something, man. Like, I'm going to have to fight. <laughs> like, this is going to suck. <laughs> and I'm not the greatest fighter of all time, but, you know, I'll go. And, uh, and yo, to my surprise, man, only one person, one person ever came at my eye and, in all my four years of high school. And he and I ended up being really good friends when it was all said and done. And um, I didn't have a whole lot and, of trouble there either, honestly. I, I, you, but I, were you shocked though? I mean, I know I was shocked. I was like, ain't nobody really bothered me. I was like, all right, cool, we friends, let's go. Like, it was great, yeah. but that, my mentality going in was very defensive. Like, I thought we was about. I thought it was about to go down, but it didn't to my surprise and. You know, I thank God that, um, you know, to the, today, you know, even though I'm blind through my left eye, like I drive normal. I play, I don't know if you remember, but I played three years of varsity baseball at FLC. Yeah, I do. Um, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and I've been playing baseball my whole life until I graduated high school. You know, I, I still go out paintballing. I still do all of these things. And um, I managed to find a wife, a really good wife. and. I had kids and, you know, my first kid, thank, you know, thank God, nothing wrong. Everything is cool with him. He's, every, you know, only problem about him is that he whines too much. But hmm. my littlest one goes through a lot. He's going through eye drops now and treatments. And, but, you know, I've had a blessed life, man. And, you know, I have nothing to complain about, you know. I mean, I wouldn't change what I have now, you know. I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have to come to some realization at some point that, you know, you could be either one of us. I mean, I've worked and and have friends that are completely blind, and they make it look easy. And you know, I I've you know interviewed and become friends with people who are in wheelchairs and um you know amputees and so on and so on. And it's like, man, like, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta survive. Yeah. Even with a disability, you gotta survive. Yeah. And you'll adapt to that some way, somehow. And for some people, is 
uh, you know, through through this their personal self motivation. For others like myself, you know, um, I I am a, a man of faith, and so I believe that I believe in a higher calling that's going to protect me, that's going to be there for me, um, and and it's worked out for me so far, you know. Um, Cause it's not easy to have, like it, you, you walk in and I remember, I tell you, it used to bother me more than adults. Cause adults, you could just tell them like, yo, shut up, leave me alone. Like, but what bothered me one time a, a lot during a season of my life was when kids, little kids used to ask me cause kids are the most ruthless, realest people ever. They have no filter. And kids will be like, well, what's wrong with your eye? What's wrong with you? Why do you look that way? Why does your eye look that way? And in the most public places, they'll ask you that. Right, right, right. And it took me a long time from like envisioning me punching out a five-year-old yeah. to, <laughs> to you know, just going with the flow. Like somebody would say, I remember a couple of kids like would say, hey, you know, hey, Mr. Joe or something like that. Like, what's wrong with your eye? And if I know, like, the kid's family, for example, I would say, you know, me and your dad, you know, I would come up with some bogus story. Me and your dad, we were out, you know, playing in the yard, and, you know, I broke his nose, but he ended up busting my eye. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, I would come up with some kooky stories to make him laugh, and it would make me feel better. It was self-soothing for me right. in a lot of ways. Um, that actually used to bother me a lot. It don't bother me no more, but it did bother me a lot when kids would Cause, and here I am, I'm like, I'm a grown man, you know, I'm like, this shouldn't bother me, but, um, it did, it did for, for a little bit. Um, now I just, I just flow with the puns. I just go with it. Make it, I make it, I turn into a, I turn an awkward situation to a funny situation. Right. Do you, you know, think and, it has and, anything and, and to yeah. do with like your culture? Cause Spanish culture, like it's very masculine and a lot of guys and be growing up into it. A lot of men, like, you, you know, you need yeah. to be a man. And, yeah. and there's a certain, you know, of course you can't be gay and you can, there's a there's certain thing. You just can't be a feminine guy. Even if you like women, yeah. you have to just kind of be tough all the time. And, and, uh, you think that plays any kind of part into it? I mean, I guess there's certain, with certain people, I think to each his own. Um, sometimes we can put stereotypes in like all different cultures and backgrounds because you could say the same for like, you know, uh, families that come from like Europe or Africa or, I mean, you want to talk about the most manly of the man, you know, you, you see that even more in the Asian culture a lot. Yeah. Italians, um, yeah. Italians, yeah. I, I look at it this way. Um, you got to be comfortable with yourself. And, and you have to, you may not accept everything, but for me, the reason why, how I, I can live every day I ain't got no, there's not, there's no better medicine than when you can make fun of yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there'll be times like I'll walk and I'll hit the wall on my left side because I didn't see it. You know what I mean? Right. And I just can't just help but to laugh at myself like and call myself an idiot. Like, yo, you dumb, man. <laughs> you know, or, um, you know, sometimes somebody would say like, you ain't see that Joe? I mean, like, what do you think? You know what I mean? I look at, I look dead at him, you know? Right. And so, like, it's good to poke fun at yourself. And I know what my culture says a lot in a lot of ways. Um, but I think some, some of that stems from, like, an ignorant perspective. Um, 
I mean, we're all human. We all have our own situations. I mean, my dad is manly as it gets, and he's blind as a bat. And uh, and he and he accepts it. Not that he accepts it. He has he struggles with accepting it. But like he he's got no problem talking about it though. Right. And neither do I. You know what I mean? Like, but that comes when you educate yourself on it too. Like doing the research and what you have gives you more confidence. Yeah. Uh, being able to laugh at yourself about it sometimes gives you more confidence. I look at it this way. I'd rather it be me that brings it up than you bring it up. Yeah, yeah. That way I know I feel comfortable about it. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the manly macho perspective sometimes can come about, but I, I, don't, I don't take it serious. I'm like, it, I, right. I look at it this way. I come from where they come from. Like, you know, good for you, you know? Because if they want to throw their macho-ness and how much they can do in this, that, and the third, I'll just bust out my college degrees and shut them up real fast. Right, right, right. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, I think think it's funny because, like, early on, like, you're so bent on – and any this is any kid, doesn't it? You don't have to have a disability. But you're so bent on, like, fitting in. You don't want to be an outcast. You don't want to be the kid that gets picked on. Yeah, no, no, it's true. And then, you know, you think, like, being, you know, different is wrong. And then – yeah. Then you get older and you're like, ew, like I want to, I don't want to be like all these people. Like, right. and a lot of these kids that are like the jocks, like you see what happens to them years later and they're still in that mentality. And it does like, ew, like, like you're just the same person. Like you didn't evolve. It's like, I'm, yeah. I'm you know, like, you, so like, yeah, once you actually own who you are and you figure out all these things about you and what makes you unique, it's like, oh, like that's how you stand out. That's how people actually end up liking you. <clears throat> And, 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 yeah. and you learn that when you're out there, like the unique part about my childhood is my, both of my parents are blind. You know, I lost my mom four years ago, but my mom was blind since she was 12. She had a uh, retinitis pigmentosa. So she, all she can see was like a little bit of light, but she could, she could never see, you know, she was totally blind. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot of that self-confidence from her, you know, for those who know in North Philly, like, or Philly in general, like, um, it, it can be a tough place, like you said. You know, people can be ruthless at times. But there are good people in Philly. And my mom knew how to navigate that, even as someone who, A, didn't know the language, but B, was willing to, but she was willing to learn. And she used to go to this, this school for the blind in, in Center City, up on Walnut Street. And um, there are times, like, her ride never came through, like you know the the paratransit, you know the, you know these ride these right, right. buses that would come and pick you up or whatever. And I would watch this lady say, "I'm still going, I'm out," and she would catch the three bus down to the 47 bus and head on to Center City by herself, blind. And that type of confidence that she had in herself, like poured into me, too. Like if you could do it, I could do it, mom. You know, and you don't even know the language, and you still found a way to do it. Like my mom made no excuses about her situation. She still provided for me, cooked for me, even washed my clothes, um, cleaned the house. She did all that blind. And so you watch that growing up, and I always ask myself, like, don't give me no pity party. Let's go. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I watched that in my mom. Um, 
and and that was like so helpful because at, by the time I I got like twelve, thirteen years old, my mom knew like I can't raise you no more. You, I got my first job in eighth grade, and she never bought. She couldn't. She couldn't afford it either. She's you know, she's on public assistance. We I grew up on public assistance and all of that, and uh, she did her best to be a great mom. But there was a time where she was just like, I'm gonna have to trust in the good Lord to like make sure that you are safe because I can't watch you when you're 14, 15 years old the way I want to. And thank God everything worked out. But um, at the end of the day, you know. You have to you 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 have some of that confidence has to be a little bit self-taught, and some of it is through the bumps and bruises. I can't tell you how many times I've been called one eye, one eye Willie, one eye Joe. Uh, I had one ex girlfriend. Her father told me I've actually found this funny, but at later, but now I don't. At that time, I was pissed. But he, you know, he would say things like, "Oh, is it? You know, are you are you? Can you only see half the world?" Like, I wanted to knock this dude out. Like, mm-hmm. what? You know, like, it happens all the time, but it, it hardens me in a positive way. Like, I could take it. Um, and I could wrap, ball it up and throw it away. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like, my childhood helped me with that confidence, too. Yeah. One of my big ones was, was that... Uh, and it was so stupid. Like they would come up to me and my mom and it was because I used to wear hats a lot. And um, I remember, but then, but when I was really young, my you eyes, had the dopest hats though, bro. Not for nothing though. Yeah. But that was then like when I was really young, yeah. I used to, well, I mean, I, I probably still did, but I wore hats and I used to wear it all the way over my eyes because to block the sun out because they were so sensitive I to remember. light. And people yeah. used to come up to me and go, do you, you know, they would ask me, do I sleep at night with my, like, do I sleep with a hat on? It was just like the dumbest, qu- and, and not just like even a malicious way. It just was a dumb question. People just seem to want to know. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing how stupid some people are. But yeah. No, and it, yeah. I learned real fast, like, people think there's no such thing as a dumb question. And I'm like, I beg the difference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that, I think there's some, <laughs> there's such thing as some dumb questions. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's yeah, a lot of that stuff does harden you. Like it makes you much stronger beyond just the living in Philly, but just people. Like because it just it's amazing how stupid people are and what they don't really want to know. And I'm sure you've gotten at times where you say like, "Well, I'm you know visually impaired or blind," and like, "Well, you don't look blind." And it's like, yeah, because I don't have a dog or a cane or what you assu- what do you associate as blind? But that doesn't mean my life isn't hard. It doesn't mean I don't have problems. It's just. You right. know, I'm not walking into everything. So, yeah. you, you know, and again, of course, I'm legally blind, which people, it's people only associate the last, they listen to the last word and go, oh, well, he's blind. And it's like, but you, but you didn't right. walk in anything. You're, you're functioning. And it's like, yeah, I didn't say yeah. I was blind. I said I was legally blind, which means I cannot drive and so on and so on. And then you have to go down this whole story. And it's like, I don't even know you and I don't want to go down this road. So, um, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's, it sucks because I remember me trying to get my license and I remember going to PennDOT and I finally, it took me like two, two, three tries to finally pass that stupid permit test. I never studied, but after you pass that permit test, they put you on this thing where you have to put your, you know, your eyes in it and you have to like read the sign. So little did I know <laughs> that there's a sign for each eye, like a different sign for each eye. I thought it was the same sign, both eyes. 
She said, what's the sign? I was like, oh, a yield. She goes, okay, what's the other sign? I was like, a yield? And she was like, no, what's the other sign? And I'm like, I'm looking at a yield, right? Uh, And she she was like, oh, no, it's not that. It's too different. And I was hot because of that. And I had to, like, go through the trouble, like, getting this form, going to my doctor, filling this out, coming back. Like, just the extra work that they make disabled people put in, like, I mean. Extra hurdles. You know, it, it stinks. Um, but you know, um, I think the worst, one of the worst things that we could do though, um, as people who, you know, are at a disadvantage because of our disability is if there's nothing wrong with asking for help, there's nothing wrong with asking for help, but I find it tough to, to find, to, to, to have pity. Like it's cool. with asking for help. I ask for help all the time. Um, there's some things that I can't see. And I would say, I would ask my wife, like, can you see this? I, I just can't see it. Can you help me read this? And she does. And But at no point do I want her to show pity for me or anything like that. Like, right. you know, it's, I, I try my best not to make an excuse out of it. You know, I'm, and I learned that from my mom. I try to be real independent. I try to be um, in the forefront of things. Um, I got to wear my glasses every day like everybody else. I got to wear polycarbon lenses because I only got one eye. and it's, You know what I mean? Like, I got to do the, I got, I pay $200 more than the average person on eyeglasses. But, you know, that is what it is, man. Yeah. It's just, and I don't, I want to take it back, you know? It's how, it's how God made me and that's just, I'm cool with it. Yeah. And it makes you who you are. Like, you don't really know what kind of person you would end up being uh, without it. Uh, now maybe right. it would still be the same because your parents both were blind. So like you may, you probably would still be, uh, you know, more empathetic to people with disabilities and, and just as a person maybe, but you just never know. Um, no, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Never know. And, and I, and I like to share too, like, you know, even with this, sometimes you, it, I mean, I, I had some, uh, identity issues with this as well. Like would a girl ever love me? You know what I mean? Like, would I ever find love? Would they find what I see? I'm not the normal guy, you know? On top of me being five foot three, you know, Hispanic, I got one eye. Would they ever feel this way about, you know, would they ever love me in this, that, and this, third? And, you know, with patients, those things come, oh, come. And I was able to find, you know, the right one. And, and here I am. I'm about to celebrate seven years of marriage in a couple months. Congratulations. Thank you, man. Um, oh, yeah, I wanted to say sorry about your mother. I didn't know about that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, one of the things you said earlier is, like, I think part of the problem is that <clears throat> when we, a lot of times, at least early on when we ask for help, uh, especially when we're younger, it tends to backfire because some people either downplay it or they, right. they baby you, and it's like, oh, come here, let me hold your hand. It's like, no, like, I'm in high school. I don't want to look like a complete idiot in front of all my friends and all the class. Right. I already have enough drawn attention to me. I don't need more. Um, but then right. when we get to adults, we get to adulthood, like, now we're on our own. We don't have our parents protecting us or, or our grandparents or whoever. So now we actually have to look out for ourselves. So when we actually need help, we actually have to ask for it and – I think, and again, I think, and, and this isn't just a culture thing. This is just also a guy thing, like where we get, yeah. we want to just be the man. And we want to be able to do yeah, everything. Yeah, we're prideful. 
we're prideful. Yeah, we want to be able to do everything, and and there's certain things that we just have to realize we cannot do, and we might need to ask for help. And it it really is okay to ask, but you kind of learn that later because, you know, it's it's very hard to accept a disability, especially early on. It's it's, I mean, I mean, Uh-oh. especially for the people who are born with it or or get it young. I mean, the people who get it as an adult. I don't have that experience, so I don't know what that's like. It's got to be hard. Oh, man. You know what sucked? I remember I was a kid. <clears throat> when I was a kid, um, you know, I I, I grew up in the 90s, geez, you know, like you and right. uh, I say the last era where kids actually played outside, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I used to, we used to go out. We used to play all the games, catch one, catch them all, hide and go seek, freeze tag, all of that, right? All the kids in the neighborhood. And I remember the day, I don't know how the hell they found out. <laughs> and when I say they, I mean like the city. Right. I don't know how they found out. But in one of the telephone poles, they put um, blind child area Ooh. on my block. Man, I was hot. I was hot because I was the only one in the block that had like a vision problem. Right. And... I could, yo. I want. I wanted to tear that thing down, man. Like you want to talk about calling me out, yeah, in front of the whole block. Yeah, I was literally the only kid with a vision issue on that block, so I knew they were talking about me. And uh, you know, I I just couldn't believe they did that to me, and that really brought my self esteem down because you would hear like my friends come up to me and they'd be like, "Oh, Joe, they they put that for you." I'm like, "I know." They never called me about it. Like, they never told my mom about this. It wasn't just, like, um, a handicap spot? Like, it actually said blind? No, dude. They actually put on the telephone pole, like, a yellow sign diagnosed as blind child area. Wow. I knew it was a handicap because we ain't had no car. I never, I never, I didn't grow up with a car. My parents were blind. Right. So, uh, but it was just, like, to let the block know yeah. that, oh, this kid is blind. I've seen those signs hot. for like people with special, like children for have special needs, but that... I was hot, man. Cause I didn't see myself as a person with special needs. I didn't want to see myself as dis- disabled. Like that was a part of my identity that I struggled with a lot that I refused to accept it. Right. I refuse. Cause in my world, like my fingers work, my hands work, my feet work. Um, I'm doing okay in school. My ears work, my head work. Like, so in my world, I'm like, I know I could do the same thing that you can. And so to broadcast it to the world, it just pissed me off. And it just made me like, made me go, no, I'm, I'm going to do better. I'm going I'm to I'm be better. You know what I mean? That played it. And, and that type of like pridefulness played a lot in the way my life is shaped. You know, because I graduated, I went to college and graduated from college. To prove somebody wrong. I don't know who I was proving wrong, but I just wanted to say, hey, look what I could do. Right. And that sometimes backfired on me. But I, a, a part of why I did certain things in my life is because I was tired of being the kid, the woe is me, like, you know, the blind child area sign. Like, no, nah, I'm just as normal as y'all. And watch you watch this. I'm going to be better than you. I don't know who I was fighting, to be honest with you, yeah. but that was just that inner, you know, they say that, um, uh, I, see, you, you sports guy for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
in the, the the documentary The Last Dance with the Michael Jordan one, Jordan one yeah, yeah. there was a, there was a there was a scene where they would say Michael Jordan would come up with his own lies about right. what another person would say about him. Right on the court, yeah. On the court, and then they would just motivate him. Honestly, that happened to me too. Like, oh, this person thinks this about me. That person thinks that about me. Watch this, because I got one eye. Yeah, yeah. It, it uh, yeah, I, that happened a lot in my life. It happens sometimes now. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I still do it. It, it, it's something that fuels me, and it just, it's things that are possible, but they aren't actually happening. There's times even at work, it's just like if, if I'm just pissed off at a ball, like, or if I want to get a job done faster. I'm like, I know I could work much faster if I just get pissed off. So I just start f- coming up with a yeah. fake argument in my mind with a boss or, or yeah. something, and I just, I just go. And yeah, then, just go. Yeah, and it just kind of gets it out, and then you're, just, it's like, it's almost therapeutic in a weird, strange, sadistic way. Um, I got, I got, yeah, you're right. You're right. But I remember being in yeah. FLC and like what you were saying earlier about how like you didn't get really much, you know, negativity or discrimination towards you. You know, I had my moments here and there, but in general, like I think what kept people off of me was my grades. And I remember being in junior year and I had like the second most credits in the entire school. And that was a joke at FLC, those credits. Oh, I know, but <laughs> you know, but I put in so much work and it was like and everyone they were going through all the top people and then I think it was my junior year and they, they read my name and they all turned around. I was like him. How the fuck? And then, and then, and then people all of a right. sudden were like, Oh, can you help me with chemistry? Can you help me with this? And I'm like, no, you haven't talked to me the whole time I've been here. I've been here for three years. Like you don't know me. And now you right. care. But it, it was so satisfying to know that now all oh, the visually impaired kid is kicking all our asses and credits. It's like, yeah, <laughs> what you get? Take that. I snuck up Take on you. No, I, I feel you. Cause I finished in the top ten percent at FLC when yeah. I was done. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, I feel you. There's just self motivation in that, and uh, it's satisfying too. It's satisfying, and you know maybe that sounds a little evil, but there's some satisfaction in saying, "Yo, I proved you wrong, and I feel good about it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you gotta prove bit. yourself wrong too. Like, that's I mean, no, true. The it's shit true. wears on you. So at some point, all the things that people say about you eventually kind of manifest in your mind and you actually have to make sure that that's not really the case like if because it can be if you just let it happen so if somebody yep. says you're blind and you're worthless you can be blind and worthless i mean you're already blind so you could be worthless but it, it's up to you to figure out where what path you're gonna in what direction you're going and if you just sit around and do nothing which i started to do in ninth grade just like i, I carry over from oec i didn't want to do anything because a lot of teachers told me i wouldn't be anything and I had a lot of abuse and bullying and so many things happened to me. And so when I first got the FLC, I really was just like, I'm going to do the same shit because no one believes in me. No one cares. And then at some point I just had, I was tired of just being the loser kid that didn't have good grades and everyone around me was kind of doing the same shit. And I was like, well, I have to, I got to get out of this rut. Like I got to do something. So I actually had to ask for help from Miss Johnson and Miss Robbins. And yeah, you know, it went from there, but, yeah, I could have, you know, you, you pick and choose. Like, if, if you allow those people to say the shit about you, um, you know, I said this about my sister one time. My sister got in an argument with her dad, and he basically called her a slut for going out and doing shit. And she went, and she really wasn't. I think he was just in a rage, and they had their moment or whatever. 
And then she started going out and doing that to prove him right. And it was like, what are you doing? Like, you, you're going to prove him right. He was wrong, and now he's right. Um, Did, yeah. Quick question. Do you have people in your family that have the same condition as you do? No, because mine was caused from medication. Um, oh, yours is caused. Okay. Yeah. So I, it, it is kind of helpful when, like, other people, like, my cousin has the same thing I have. Right, right. My uncle. Like, I got an uncle. I just learned this the other day about him, too. He died a long time ago, about six years ago. But I just learned this about him. Like, my uncle was, like, on his way to law school, blind. He's been blind since he was five years old. And he was on his way to law school. And I said, well, why he didn't finish law school? He said, well, they didn't have the books in Braille. But he ended up still getting his master's degree in social work. And he ended up opening up like a food bank in like Daytona and uh, or in Miami somewhere around. Oh, I can't remember Florida, but he ended up opening like a food bank for the community. He ended up going to culinary school on top of that. And when I heard that, like, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, I, I went this whole my whole life thinking I was like one of the first to graduate with a degree. Turns out, nah, my uncle, <laughs> my uncle did that already. And he did it. Blind. I at least got one eye to, to work with, and so um, you know that that helped a little bit in in knowing that I can go to some I can go to some people. So yeah, it's in your gene pool. It's not be just being blind. It is in your gene pool. It's also being a fighter and and you know inspirational. Like you can't just it's it's there. All you gotta do is look at some of your relatives and just go look. Like this is what they do. Yeah, I don't I don't have that. Like I've had people in my family have conditions and stuff. Uh, you know the rapper Absol? Nah. He's, Is that the dude, the blind dude? Yeah, yeah. He he, he has the same condition I do. Um, oh, the dude from Atlanta? I believe he's from Wasn't Atlanta. Wasn't he the one that he, like, everybody got known, everybody knew him from? Yeah, he from was known from uh, something else, yeah. he's half, the battle rap? I believe so, yeah. He's half black and half white, I believe. And uh, uh, he's one of the only rappers. I remember rappers. the blind rapper, boy. Yeah, he's not completely. He's legally blind. This one I'm talking about, but he actually had the same condition I did, Stephen Johnson syndrome, oh. and uh, he's one of the only rappers that like actually can wear his glasses indoors and actually make sense because his eyes are very sensitive to light. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I don't have anybody in my family that. I mean, like I said, it's a very rare condition, but um, and that's tough, though, man. That's tough. I mean, yeah, I've met some good people who have it uh, over the years. Yeah. Um, I know, I know the woman who runs the foundation who started kind of the whole thing, but. Yeah, I don't like I said I don't have that. My sister had like bad seizures and stuff like that, but overall, no, I don't. And so it it's just kind of I've had to find, you know, and then with OEC and stuff like it just to me I never really look for people with the same condition. I just sure. it's like okay, there's people who have eye problems. It's kind of the same to me. And then now doing this, I've kind of just on a journey of kind of building or, or like kind of bridging the gap between all the disabilities because, as I've said, <clears throat> people always want to push us as the, the wheelchair logo guy yeah. and we all kind of run to our own groups and we forget about the rest of us. Like we forget like the blind and the deaf don't ever want to interact with each other or the, you know, amputees <laughs> or so on. And it's like, look, if they're going to, if we want to show them we're, we're all different, we have to get together and actually fight for what we need and then venture out and then show them that we're different. Um, right. And it's like, we, you know, yeah. No, cause you know, what's crazy. Um, you know, you and I went to OEC and that was, like I said, that was, that was a school that had a track for kids who were visually impaired. Mm -hmm. So the, that's the one school in Philadelphia outside of 
OSB, Overbrook School for the Blind. Right. But that's the one school in the public school system that you can go blind and it would be like normal. Yeah. Or you can have a visual impairment and it could be, it's normal. But the crazy thing is and that I got bullied more in that school than I did in high school. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got more crap in that school than I did in the other one. Yeah. And I, that was like, I never, like, I, I just, I just, you know, it bothered me. Like, are y'all kidding me? I, dude, I used to, I used to hate starting the school year, man. I used to start the school year at OEC crying mm-hmm. because I didn't want to go back. Because the thing was, our school was so small that you were stuck with the same kids year after year. Yeah. Yeah, you may get one or two new kids in, but for the most part, the bulk of the jerks were there. You know, that's why, you know, <clears throat> I think, I, you know, I look back at my life and I was like, Man, I'm so thankful for the Donald Fullards, the Alex Maloney's of the world, you know, Alicia Anglins. Like, they, <clears throat> that little small group that I, I hung out with the most, um, Jordan Lambert, um, they, um, they never looked at me different. You know what I mean? Thomas Roby and the Roby, you know, you know the Roby brothers. Yeah, his, like one, they, his younger brother went. Yeah, the, the one out of the six was with me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they yeah. they treated me the same, normal. But then the, it was the cooler kids that you know the, were the jerks, man. I'm like, I mean, I had one dude actually. I won't I won't call him out. I had one dude from OEC. Here we are, right? I'm third. I'm about to be 33 years old. Like not too long ago, like two years ago, he. he he uh, hit me up on message on the, on, on the DMs, and he goes, "Hey, I just wanted to say I'm sorry for always bullying you." And I'm a grown man now, and I'm like, "Hey, I appreciate that, man. Thank That's you. Cool. How you doing? You know." But literally, that that happened. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, and, and what a lot of people I think don't understand, like there was a lot of visually impaired and blind bullying, not just like the sighted kids. Um, but it didn't help either that if I remember correctly, especially on the like second floor, the sighted classes, the VI or non VI classes were on one side and the V the visually impaired classes were on the other side. And it's like, oh, yeah. you're constantly interacting with them. You're constantly right across from them and your classes are much smaller. Um, and of course it's just, you know, you're getting, for the most part, you were learning lesser work. Um, and- it, it was a joke. It was an, that's the one thing I look back at it as a grown man at OEC and I understand the intentions. The intentions were, you know, if this group of kids, they're together, they're the visually impaired, keep them together and so forth and so on. But the mainstream kids, I'll be honest with you, since I came from the VI track into the, like you did, yeah, man, they're the most discriminatory, like the VI kids were the weirdos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The VI kids were like, oh, man, they got to tag along with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they were seen as that. And you're right. Like, you were in VI. Like, uh, you you weren't getting the same work as the non-VI kids at OEC. No. At least when I was there. They, they, I think they've you know, we saw increased it, it now. The, when, when, we, when we, the the mainstream, the and we called it mainstream back then, Um. They 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 used to say oh they barely got like we would say this about or they would say this about the VI kids like they barely get any work they barely see the work that we see they get it easy 
this that, and the third. And the way it came out was very douchebag-ish, but it was like kind of true because the school set it up that way. Like yeah. the school didn't help them. Like treat them right. Like they could do algebra. <laughs> they're they're visioning on to do with you know with them getting some algebra early on in the years. You know, using that as an example. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean that that was another problem though. Too, for, at least for me, I I went over in I think fifth grade, um, and I was learning like when I went to fifth, I was so advanced for my fifth grade class because I was basically doing fourth and third grade work or whatever. And it was like Miss Robbins was like, "All right, she was my vision itinerary." She's like, well, "We're going to get you out of here. We're going to put you in this class." And it only started out as two different classes, like math and something else. And then eventually, I just went there full time, but I wasn't prepared for it, so I was really kind of behind. So mentally, like I just kind of sat in the corner, and didn't do a whole lot because, um, again, I was so used to the the lesser work, and a lot of teachers tell me I wouldn't be anything, and so on. So I just kind of fell into that little gap, and uh, you know, didn't I just kind of hung on by you know the skin of my teeth, I suppose. I didn't really succeed in it. Like high school is when I really kind of took off. Um, but yeah, OEC kind of it messed me up for a good while. Um. And there were some good teachers in the non-VI classes. I just didn't take to them because I didn't know what to do. And um, I didn't have a whole lot of support. So I was I was kind of... And the only reason I got into FLC, I didn't have the grades for Ms. Robbins. You know, she had, oh, a, good, man. She had a good report. <laughs> Same here. She had a Although, good she had a good report too. She had a good report with Ms. Levine. And, and now I can say this, but back, you know, Ms. Levine was like, who you want in here? And she put my name on there and she put your name on there. And like, it was an easy gift, but I look back at it though. Now I would have not, I wouldn't have wanted to go to OEC. I actually got accepted to Bodine. I should have gone to Bodine. Oh, okay. Bodine. Yeah. I would have gone to Bodine. If I had, if I had to do it again for high school, I would have gone to a different high school. See, I didn't but even have a I have some good friendships at FLC, but yeah. I mean, can't have it all, but, you know, in terms of just building, I would have gone there. But no, but you, you right, you right on that. You know, um, you know, some of these teachers at OEC. I mean, some of these VI teachers are some of the laziest, though, man. Yeah. Oh, you know? absolutely. And, and and you know, it wasn't until I got Mr. Jerosh. Yeah, I've been talking to him lately. Yo, send me his number privately. I think I have it, but I want to make sure Mr. J was the man. Mr. J. To this day, I say changed my life. Oh, that's good. I was on my way to failing. Like, literally, I pulled up the first report card. Here we are coming in, VI, coming in from the VI. Fifth grade was a disaster. It was like substitute after substitute. Sixth grade, I get Mr. J. And I'm telling you, first report card on Christmas, all Fs and one D. Wow. I couldn't even buy a C. <laughs> wow. And, and you know what? I'm so thankful for Mr. J. He woke me up, man. He, I, honestly, I, I got on my A game. My, my dad did the best that he could to find me some tutoring. I started reading more. I got to a point, man. I raised them F's from like to B's and A's, man. I kept getting doing my best because Mr. J was hard on me but believed in me. That was the first time I had real teacher accountability at OEC. Yeah, I told him, I told him, like, me and him never really took to each other, but I always told him, like, hey, 
you know, yeah, maybe you weren't equipped to deal with someone like me because me and Medina was in there too, and we we both had so much damage. No, Medina was crazy. Yeah, we had so much abuse. Like he was passed through like shelters and stuff, and I was molested. A lot of stuff happened to us. We were both so damaged going into those classes, and so he didn't yeah. he didn't know how to deal with us. But I told him like, in fairness to you, you you taught one higher end work, but beyond that, you you treated us all the same. Like you didn't treat us different. I never felt like you looked at me as a no, visually impaired student. Yeah, he was a good dude, and and so I, Jerusalem, man, and 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 OEC was a predominantly African American school. Yeah, for the most part. And yeah. you, a lot of you come kids. in, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you coming from the Northeast? Me coming from North Philly to 16th and Lansdale in West Philly. Like that, bus, that was an hour bus drive for me every day, going and coming. But man. Mr. Jerosh came into a whole new element. This white dude from Michigan. Yeah. And to me, just instantly, we were his, I was his first class ever at OEC. With a strong accent. We were his first. Definitely. But he brought accountability to that school. Yeah. I'm telling you, sixth grade, I had Jerosh, and then you throw me in with John. I wish I knew where Miss John was. Miss John's, yeah, I love that lady. lady. Yeah. I love that lady. She was so harsh. <laughs> I mean, but I love her. She was the last teacher I ever had that wrote in cursive. Like, I love her. I had Miss Waring. Love her, too. Like, from six on, it was cool. It's just the kids that were some jerks. But, I, I, you know, some it was – Robbins was good. But fourth and fifth grade, disaster at OEC for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my low point, too. Oh, I had Miss Robbins <laughs> for fourth. But then, yeah, fifth was my like, – my I had her for third. Point. Okay. Um, she actually – that, you know what? That was the last. That was one of the last times that she actually threw away my prosthetic eye once by accident. Oh yeah. I still I still mess with her from time to time. Oh. Uh, no, she's I owe her a lot, especially with my schooling. Um, cool. But yeah, Miss Johns was a scary woman because I saw her. I saw Medina and another kid in our class get into a fight, and she broke it up by herself. And she grabbed Medina, and he could not move. <laughs> so actually, I remember. I remember one time Jamil Gibson called her a bitch in front of the class, and <laughs> I didn't want to curse, but here, oh well. No, you can curse. Um, um, but Miss Johns comes out of nowhere. The class got quiet when he said that, and and Miss um, Johns goes, "I know your mom is <laughs> like I know your." She gave, she gave out his mother. <laughs> I was like, yo, Miss Johns is an OG. I love her. Yo, she started coming at his mother in front of the whole class. Yeah. Sad though. You probably like, can't do that anymore. No, no, have no heck no. That was like pre nine eleven. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, this is a great conversation, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um like I said, is there anything I mean, I don't care. You wanna talk about any you know, when it comes to just any advice you got for people who are you know, struggling with their disability? Yeah, man. You know, it's kind of like what I said a little earlier. Um, it's important to find the little aspects in your life that you can have some confidence in. And, you know, I think about my mom. My mom was totally blind since she was 12. But she found pride in the little things that she did. Like, she was very prideful in her knitting skills. She was very prideful when she cooked. She found these things that brought in like a sense of independence within her. And I learned that from her. 
finding those things that bring you a sense of independence, even if it's the smallest of things, truly, truly can make the world of a difference. It can make the world of a difference. And, and I truly encourage anybody out there with a form of disability or anything like that, you know, if no one else loves you, then you love you, right? You love you. And if anything, right, for some of us, just know that at some, and I don't know how anybody feels about it. I'm just going to say, you know, like, whether you believe in it or not, but you know what? God loves you too. And, and you have to love yourself. And that will make the, the world of a difference. And that will change your mentality and the way you see things. I know some of the greatest people in the world in my life are blind. Um, and they're some of my biggest teachers and mentors because they know how to overcome. And so that's, that's really where I, where, I, where I leave it at. You know, you love you. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else does. If, no, no, if nobody wants to give you no pity, people give you pity or if um, just, you know, people don't want to show up, you love you. Right. Um, yeah, that was great. Uh, one, one, actually, I had one last question. Um, sure. Did you, did you have any guilt? Like, you know, because some people have that guilt of, of passing things on to their children. Um, obviously, it's not your oh, fault. Yeah. But, yeah, did you, do you have that guilt of just yeah. feeling like you kind of great ruined question. it? Great question. Um, I did. I did. To this day, I blame myself sometimes. And I know it wasn't me. Right. Um, you know, my dad felt that way when he when I was born. And I felt that way when my son Lucas was born. Um, like I said, that first night, you know, you hear things about the medic- medicine that, you know, this baby boy is taking. And then they were talking about, uh, you know, putting them in a helicopter, flying them out to Children's Hospital. And um, here, my wife, she's in bed, and she, you know, my wife had to had to get a an emergency C-section, so she's out of it. She's high off of morphine, and my mother-in-law is trying to do her best to be with her. And then my father-in-law is right next to me, and I'm sobbing, man. I'm sobbing. I'm I'm just crying like a baby. I'm crying and I'm crying and I'm crying, and and people, you know. People look at me like, you know, oh, is it because of the baby? And yeah, that's half of it. But the other half, I couldn't help but think like, it was me. Right. I did this. I did this to this. You know, say what you will, man. All babies are just beautiful blessings. And, you know, I did this to this baby. And it hurt me, especially like, you know, my son was six months old when he had two major glaucoma, glaucoma surgeries. You know, within a week apart, I mean, we spent a Christmas with him with eye patches and we had to go to the doctors every day, literally every day, Saturday and Sunday. We had to show up in the into the hospital as well. Um, and I couldn't help but to blame myself. And, you know, my wife encourages me. I, I can't say that I'm fully healed from that, but my wife encourages me all the time and it really helps me. And um, but then I look at my son. Here's the thing. Just a couple of months ago, my son's eye pressure went up to over 30. And the average eye pressure is about 12 to 20, give or take. Right. And it was like at 35. Oof. And my, my son never noticed it. 
you could you could like you can tell that 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 he was going through that, and it brought a little bit of joy in me because the innocence in him not even knowing what he has, he's just living his life. Yeah, you know, and um, that brought a little bit of healing, and uh, yeah, I, I do I do blame. I'll be lying to you. Like I can give all the advice and say no, but you can't do that. And this, that, and the third, I'll be lying to you. Nah, you can't help but to think about it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But but it's nice to see his life and the way he runs up and down. And, you know, my son gets hurt. My littlest one gets hurt more than my oldest one. And he gets up and keeps it moving. He's got a smile on his face all the time. And it does bring joy to me. Uh, but, you know, how's the, uh, I, cry, I cry like a baby. Right. How's the like? How do you, do you worry about? This is my final question. I promise. Do, do you do you worry? No, no, do you do you worry about like giving him too much attention because of your other son making him? Because some some kids grow up with like resentment because another kid got more attention, even though it's not his fault or either one of their faults. But uh, yeah, do you know you, what? Yeah, do you worry about that? You know what's crazy? From my perspective, no, no. I, I treat my boys the same, in the sense that um, if if the oldest one did something and the littlest one was there, you're both getting punished because you're an accomplice, right? Like typical parenting, right? You're both you're both in trouble. If the littlest one did something, you 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 get in, you're in trouble too. You're getting in the corner. I put my two year old, the one with glaucoma, more on the corner than I have with my five year old. Sometimes I feel like I treat my two year old a little more harsher than my five year old because my two year old is just you know he's crazy sometimes. I love him dearly. Right. But, but his mother, my wife, I've had to tell her a few times, stop doing that. Right. Right. So my my five year old, the normal kid, quote unquote, he'll get in trouble and show y'all at him and go to the corner and blah blah blah. This that and the third, and no pity for him. And then my five year, my two year old, the one with glaucoma. Okay, go to the corner, but then come back, give me a hug. You know, I love you. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like punish you. And, it, nah. and I always got on her. Nope. In my household, one for all and all for one. Like, I don't play no games like that. Cause you, but, but there's an importance to this. When my five year old, when my two year, my, my kid with glaucoma was born, the first thing we did was we put him in the arms at the time. My, my, my oldest was three. And we put him in his arms and we let him hold him and we let him touch him and we let him feel him and sing to him. So from birth, we, we, we've been doing our best to create a bond within the two, between the two of them. To this day, now my son is, my oldest is at an age where he helps me put the little one to bed now. Oh, that's good. Because we've created that bond between the two of them. Right. Like Noah, can, Noah, I hope Noah never said, I can't, to me, Noah can't say that he was treated any different than my two-year-old. I treat him all the same. He could say that with his mom, though. His mom has sometimes right. been guilty of that. She's coming around now because at the end of the day, that's her voice. But in the beginning, she struggled with that. She struggled with that big time. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to ask you something after the recording, so don't hang up. But... Um, 
but yeah, man, I, like I said, I'm very proud of you. I mean, you turned into a good dude. I mean, I kind of seen that anyway. You were a smart guy when I knew you. So, oh, thank you, man. Um, yeah, I'm very happy for you. Like I said, you're good. Uh, you're a good spokesman for people with disabilities. It's always nice to have uh, encouraging people who are just not sitting around and bullshitting and actually doing something with their life because uh, it's very easy to just kind of sit there and let the darkness take over and kind of waste your life away. But you kind of yeah, and, and and to the parents out there, like let your disabled kids, if they can, if they're if they're able to, let them be kids. Understand that kids are kids, <laughs> no matter if you got a disability or not. Like, um, let them be kids. You know, there's nothing wrong. I, I say to my two year old, like my two year old with glaucoma, you know, it's okay if he ate a little dirt. He'd be all right. Yeah. You know, like you fell. Okay, get up. You good? You know, you'd be all right. And and I don't see a problem with that personally. Like, uh, and, and I say that um, to say because it's only going to build them in life. It's only going to make them better. Right. And, you know, I, I remember I was 17, 16 years old and I, I, I was working. And here's the one thing with, I would say urban parents. I don't know, I can't speak to the suburban, but urban, Puerto Rican, or just urban parents in general, like always look for an excuse to put their kids on SSI to make extra money. Oh, my okay. mom was yeah. one of those people. And I was, I mean, I begged my mom for, for a year and a half to take me off of SSI so I could work because I didn't want to report to nobody. You know what I mean? Like, took my mom a while to get it, but she got it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you need motivational tools and stuff like that um but yeah sure. yeah but it's like i said you get older and you kind of own it and you know now it's like you know i i don't i kind of wear it as a badge of honor at this point it's like i don't look at my eyes as a bad thing i mean I, i'm mad that they're not better and so on but i don't let people yeah. use it as a thing to define me at this point yeah no i'm, I'm scared crapless man i don't want to be blind like i do everything i'm like i, I I, I try to eat the right things. I try to do everything in my can to make to make sure that I don't trigger anything in this right eye. Yeah. I wear my glasses every day. I don't do I don't take a lot of risks phys- on physical things. Like I'm not gonna box anybody. I don't want to get hit in the eye. I don't like getting hit in the eye. You know, uh, I get pit- even sometimes if I something falls in my eye, I get nervous and anxious about it. Mm. I ain't trying to go blind. You know. Yeah. But I also am trying to live the fullest life that I can. And um and and I hope that, you know, I'm thirty three soon and hope for the next thirty three to sixty years until, you know, until I'm in my grave that um I get to be able to see the world that's in front of me, see my kids grow and um and I'm gonna do everything in my power to not let that happen. I already know I can't see from my left eye. You know, but that's a part of my motivation too. Like, I want to be healthy. Um, sometimes with our disabilities, we, we get so depressed that we let other things in our body trigger things that won't even help our disability, right? Like diabetes or, you know, mm-hmm. cholesterol or heart issues. Makes our life a lot You know, harder, yeah. like, so you make it harder on yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, a lot of people don't understand what mental health can do to your body. 
Um, and God, it causes loneliness so, is a scary place, man. There's so many smoke screens it sends up. Like if you feel like you have a problem, your mental health will make your body feel like you actually have that problem. Um, yeah, I used yeah, to, for sure. Yeah, I used to. Anytime I was ever with a girl, I thought I had every STD in the world, and I never did. I was always clean, but my body itched, my body burned, everything happened, and it was all. I, mean, I wouldn't say it was all just in my head, but like you know, when you have that that dark cloud that hangs over you, like your body gets achy, you know, you're worn down, you're always tired. Like it, it does so many things to you, and it's so, and it's bad for your heart. It's bad for so many things, and it's like. You're just, I mean, you're just droopy and it just, it's not good for you. Right. So yeah, mental health right. is, that's, that's something I've always been passionate about because, you know, it's a given. It comes with being disabled. I mean, everyone has some form of it, but when you're disabled, it automatically comes with it. It's a package deal. And it's just amount of how, how much do you have? Some people are worse than others, but you know, yeah, I, I've, I've always talked about it. Of course I have horrible thoughts and so on, but I thrive and I push through and, and we can go on to the next day. But, you know, it's it's stuff that a lot of people don't like to talk about unless somebody does something stupid like shoot up a school or something. But, um, you know, it's always there and, and I'm sure it'll always be there for you. It'll always be there for me. And <clears throat> it's just, you know, the more I succeed and the more I kind of do well in life and I try to put more and more good energy into the world, it, it helps me to kind of fight it. But, um. You know, I still have my dark days. I'm sure you do too. Yeah, no, I do. I do. Um, you know, I have my scary moments. Um, sometimes I get a sharp pain in my eye. Sometimes I feel like somebody punched me in the eye. That's how much, this, the amount of pain or pressure that I have. Um, and it's it can get depressing. And, you know, I think about my dad. Like, right now I'm actually in a place where we're trying to work to get my dad to live with us because my dad lives by himself. And, um, when he, he's totally blind. And so being blind, isolated, you don't go out mentally. That will break you down. That will just, you know, it, it's, it's a sad and a dangerous place to be in when it's just you and your thoughts. Sometimes it's okay to have that once in a while, but when that is, all the time, which is my dad's situation. Yeah. It's a dangerous, dangerous place to be in, especially, you know, I remember when my dad lost his vision in 82. He, he was still able to see, but, you know, he officially lost his vision like a couple of years ago, but like officially became legally blind, like in 82. By 86, he was ready to commit suicide. Yeah. You know, um, he don't talk about that. I, you know, but, and it wasn't until he met my mom that gave him a little bit of hope, but he was ready to kill himself. It's a tough place. Yeah. Well, that's why it's good for you. Like you built now, you built your own family around you. So now you can, I mean, I guess it's up to you to be as open and honest, but I'm assuming at least with your wife you are. And, you know, you have her to kind of get you out of the shitty moods. Yeah. And, and of course you have your kids to see, and, you know, of course they bring you joy. Um, you know, you, you talked earlier about like being with the cool kids and stuff like that. And same thing with like, you know, a potential spouse or something like that. Like I got to a place where I was honest with her. Yeah. This is who I am. This is what I have. Are you okay with it? Yeah. And the answer is no. Then, okay, let's not waste each other's time here. 
Yeah, you threw everything on the table. Yep, I threw it all on the table. And by me being the first one to throw everything on the table, it forced her to throw her baggage on the table too. Not that what we have is baggage, but just yeah, but some people would everything, it <laughs> not just my disability, but all my other everything flaws right, got right. thrown on the table. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the secret of what you. I mean, I'm I won't know. I'm single, but I, you would assume that's probably what you should do in a relationship. Like everything should just be honest. When I say an open relationship, I don't mean you can sleep with other people, but just be honest with each other. Just say this is all yeah. my shit. Can you accept yeah. this right now? If you can, I think we're gonna be very happy together. If you yeah. don't like one or two things, we you probably we probably are meant to be together. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, like you yeah. have that, that's, you know, again, like you have, I'm sure you still want your space and you have your times where you still get down, but you yeah, know, I do. Uh, but I'm sure I do. you probably have some guilt sometimes too. Cause you look at it and it's like, you do have a, you do have a wife, you do have kids. And it's like, what the fuck am I complaining about? What am I sad about? And even if you right. have real reasons to be sad, it's like, man, there's people that are struggling and homeless and, and people that are blind and people, you know, people have it way worse off than you. Um, you know, and again, I don't have those two things, the kids and the, and the, and the wife, but it's like, I, I try to look at everything I do have, even just being motivated to want to help people. Like I know where it's like to be wanted being suicide and want to kill yeah. myself. And it's like, now I want to help people. So it's like, I'm in a better place. So why not? That is use a great it? healer. Yeah. That is a great healer. The, the best type of healing is when you get to serve others. Yeah. Even within the midst of your situation, when you get to serve others, that is a great healer for yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's facts, man. If you can help someone despite your situation, you go home with a smile on your face because you knew you changed that person's day. Yeah. May not have changed their life, okay, but you at least changed their day and you can go home with a smile on your face. Yeah, that's a good healer when you help people. Absolutely, yeah, buddy. I thank you for doing this. This is fun. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, hold on, let me. Hoo hoo! Hey guys, we are back with episode forty-seven. Uh, this is with my friend Joe. He's a good guy. Um, we went to school together, middle school, high school. We uh, we weren't the closest friends or anything. We never were enemies. It's just, you know, I don't know. People just gravitate to whoever they gravitate to when they're younger. Um, but, yeah, he's a good guy. I'm very okay. Just punched my table accidentally. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we, you know, we're, it seems like we're becoming closer as we get older. And just, you know, he's on the same field as I am as far as podcasting. And he's accomplished a lot and very proud of him. So, uh, yeah, please support him, and uh, his description of his podcast will be in, well, the description. So, yeah, I'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks, guys, for the support.